Welcome to another episode of Walking with Wealth Managers. I'm Eleanor Mahmood and today I'm with Greg Mann of Rathbones. Uh, he is one of Rathbones regional directors and head of its Chichester office. We've met in Chichester today and we are now in the South Downs. Uh, we're right in the middle of the Goodwood estate uh, and it's quite cloudy today but the clouds are beginning to break a bit so we've got a tiny bit of blue sky um, but I think we are safe on the wet weather front. Um, so thank you for joining me today Greg. It's a pleasure. Um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about where we are today and why you've brought us here. Well we are in the South Downs National Park um, which was created last year. Um, and we are on the Goodwood Estate, which forms part of that, um, in the South Downs, um, and we are walking north, as we speak. Behind us is the um, Goodwood Racecourse, yeah. and that looks back south and across towards the Isle of Wight. How far away do you live from here, Greg? Um, I'm, um, I, I live about 18 miles north of here, um, in a, just outside a town called Petworth, okay. um, which gives me about... 25 minute drive to the office which for me is quite a good thing it gives you the opportunity to wind down having left the office and um, the only thing that stops me or holds me up going home are cows crossing the road so it really is quite it's quite quite rural living looking back over your career mm. you've got a fair amount of years in the industry haven't you and you've spent over 15 years at Rathbones? I spent, right? I spent just over 15 years at Rathbones. Okay, yeah. so why don't we kick off with how you, how did you get to where you are today? How did I, how did we get, how did I get to where I am today? Um, I joined, I was lucky enough to be one of, I think, the last group of um, people that went into um, investment management um, as a non-grad. So I left school and I joined um, uh, a business called Smith Newcourt, um, which was in 1987 to so the late uh, 80s. And Smith Newcourt was a fairly newly formed business and was the amalgamation of a jobbing firm called Smith Brothers and a broking firm called Scott Goff Layton. Okay. And Rothschilds at the time um, bought a 30% stake and Rothschilds happened to be in a, in a, um, their building was called um, um, Newcourt. Um, so we, uh, the, the business ended up being called Smith Newcourt. Um, and uh, that eventually became Merrill Lynch. Um, but I started there, um, and spent three years with them, um, ending up um, institutional sales trading. And I had always, my intention was always to go into wealth management of some sort, um, what we would have described as private client breaking at the time. Um, and one of my then clients was a firm called Murray Johnston, um, and they, they concentrated on institutional business, um, uh, ran a number of um, investment trusts as well. The business was based in Glasgow, but in the very early... 90s, they set up a private client business in London, um, whom I was broking to 
um, from an institutional sales side. And they asked me to join them as a trainee fund manager. Um, so I then moved to Murray Johnston and um, started on the road of um, private client investment management. An opportunity arose with an um, ex-colleague of mine to um, help develop the private client business um, of a company called Premier Asset Management and so um, having come back to London I then joined um, Premier um, where we set about um, developing their private client business. After about three years at the, the overall direction of that business and my feelings towards a private client business and the direction of a private client business started to diverge and an opportunity came up to move to Rathbones um, as, a, as a, a team which um, I did with, with a colleague um, and that was 15 years ago. Okay and so then you moved to Chichester when you joined to Rathbones? Well that, that, that in itself is a story in that um, we were um, after you, we were we were interviewed in London first and foremost by a, a headhunter and um, you okay. There we are. Um, yeah, we were interviewed first of all, first of all by a headhunter, and um, the the whole attraction of um, of joining Rathbones. Sorry, that's a tractor getting past. <laughs> and the whole attraction of, of joining Rathbones was was huge. Um, a very, very, very good name. Um, you know, very long established name, and lots of good people. And so we we met the headhunter and thought this was a good idea, and he teed up a meeting with the then head of Rathbones who we spoke to um, and went away and cogitated and um, didn't really do anything and the headhunter phoned us about six weeks later and said <coughs> um, what are your thoughts about Rathbones and joining yeah. and um, We said yes, you know, it, 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 it's great on the face of it. Anyway, we went back for a second interview, <coughs> and it was only during the second interview that um, they said to me, So, what do you think of Chichester? <laughs> My assumption was that the job had been in London, <laughs> and the headhunter hadn't made this clear. And I said, <laughs> It was a big curveball, and I said, What on earth are you talking about? Um, Chichester, I have no clue where, to, where, I mean, where is Chichester? And I didn't even know which county it was in. And um, I was living in London at the time and driving down to, to Guildford every day. Um, and um, so we had to go away and reflect on that. Um, and I think it, the conclusion was that actually it probably wasn't for me at that time because, you know, I, 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 as I say, I was, I was living in London didn't know the area. Anyway, um, for whatever reason, I decided that I should go for it. And, and that's what we did. And 15 years later, um, here we are. It's a slightly different um, existence. It's a slightly slower pace. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was very keen right from the start 
that um, we should we should be an extension of London and that actually a client walking into our office in my view um, held the same expectation that they would if they walked into the London office yeah. and that um, we're walking down through this gate that that took some of my colleagues around me quite a long time to get used to yeah. um, I think uh, well I don't think I know we are we are there now very much um, but it, it's 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 taken quite a long time um, to get us to that position to get you to that. and you know more and more we're seeing people like a local presence um, that you know they like to be able to come into the office yeah um, and, and and speak to someone that is you know is part has the backing of a big organization but but um, is on their doorstep should they need them yeah of course I think that's one of the key things that we find out in our job we go out to see all the regional offices of all the national firms and all boutiques and everywhere around the country and everywhere says we can completely justify having this office here there or this close to London or this close to here or here because people like having us here people like to be able to pop in and and don't always want to have to travel into London or travel to the big city so which completely makes sense doesn't it it does it makes sense so I'm sure throughout your years in the industry you've come across some interesting characters whether good or bad but who would you say has um, influenced you or uh, impacted your your career um, people from the industry that have impacted my career um, I mentioned Smith Newcourt and starting at Smith Newcourt yeah. um, I was uh, very privileged to work with um, an, a number of um, uh, people at that time and there's one particular individual that that to me stood out um, <clears throat> and that is a chap called Michael Marks um, and when, when I joined Smith Newcourt Michael Marks was then um, managing director or chief executive of the new, newly formed business um, and when um, Merrill Lynch bought uh, Smith Newcourt he became I believe um, the first non-American on the board of Merrill Lynch Okay. Um, and he ran uh, Merrill Lynch Europe and um, as, as a sort of early 20 year old um, I was very influenced by the way that he conducted himself he was very generous with his time he always had time to talk to you and you know you were talking to someone that was um, a very very senior important person CEO yeah. of the business um, and he always made time for you. He was a big influence. There was another big influence that you know, there was another extremely nice man that um, that we all knew quite well called Brian Winterflood, who started Winterflood Securities. Um, and, and they were probably two really big influences of people that um, behaved well and acted well yeah. um, and had time for everyone. And they were genuinely trying to do something special, build something big. Um, and um, you know that 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 to me is a is very important. Yeah. Well, it shows that you. So wh when was that? Back in. That was that was back in the early days. That was back in um, in in the late eighties, early nineties. And even now, you still. Yeah, it still. Still sticks with you. It still sticks with me. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose it ties in nicely then to um, 
my next question, which was, um, which would be, what's um, what's the best advice you've ever been given, or the best <laughs> lesson you've learned, or something again that's maybe stuck with you throughout your time? Should we go this way? We'll go this way. We don't want to end up in there. Life is not a dress rehearsal, and I think that you know we're we're transient, we're passing through, and I think that you know we we've all been given opportunity. Um, I'm a great believer that, um, you know, I, I completely accept that there are people that are less well off, disadvantaged. But, you know, the vast majority of people, if, if they want to, have an opportunity to, to move their lives forward. And I think, you know, certainly I feel that I've been given a huge opportunity. And I think it would be a huge waste. Um, not to you know not to make the most of that and 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 to develop something help develop something you know bigger um it gives me huge personal satisfaction when we meet get to various milestones um and i think you've got to you i i i really believe that it's it's only when you actually genuinely start to put people in front of you that you start to succeed as an individual mm. do you know what this little hamlet area is called this is singleton this is singleton it's called okay. singleton yeah it's one of the singleton and then Charlton, charlton which we'll walk into they're both what's known as downland villages okay um so it's all this flint and there's lots of lots of flint and all the houses are flint and brick as you can see really nice quite keen to hear why you chose to get involved with charity work. I'm correct in saying you have a number of charity clients at Rathbones? Yeah, we do. We, I mean, Rathbones is... Rathbones is... I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be too far wrong if we said that um, 5 to 6% of our FUM is uh, charity clients. Okay. And up until quite recently, um, our office mirrored that um, in terms of the number of charity clients, um, in terms of the, the assets that we manage for charities as a function of our funds under management. Um, we've, we've had a big year in terms of uh, new business and actually that new business coming in, um, n none of them are charity clients so our charities as a percentage of our funds under management has fallen okay however no we do still manage quite you know quite a <coughs> quite a chunk of charity business i like dealing with charity business um, because it's a completely different dimension to dealing with private individuals one you one you're dealing with trustees which is a different skill set altogether yeah. and secondly um there are you know there is a, there is a huge difference in that um, that they are you know, in the main um, very nice people, um, very nice people that uh, that are generally quite different to your average private client. Yeah. Um, so we've um, so, so we manage a number of. Um, of, of charity clients um, that is an area for us which I would like to grow 
um, uh, quite a key area actually that I would like to grow um, and on a on a personal level um, I'm quite involved um, with um, one particular charity <coughs> which is a homeless charity and it's something over which I um, have a bit of a mission to try and put right in the area because despite the um, despite the despite the wealth and affluence in Chichester and West Sussex homelessness is actually quite a serious issue um, uh, particularly in the bigger conurbations and with the influx that we've seen in the last 10 years of um, Eastern European um, particularly um, farm workers coming in you know, it's a big agricultural county and lots of Eastern Europeans um, work seasonally uh, at harvest time and picking and they tend to be um, they tend to stick together they tend to be very proud and, um, tr and lots of them sleep rough and trying to help them is very difficult because they're proud. Um, notwithstanding that, if you look at the statistics, it's frightening that as an average, as an average, we are less than three pay slips away from homelessness. As an average, yeah. Um, and so that, you know, that's a frightening... That's a frightening prospect. And um, so I'm involved with a charity down here called Stone Pillow. And when most people view homelessness, they've got a picture in their mind of probably a winter's day. It's freezing cold and therefore they want to give someone a hot cup of coffee, um, a shower, um, something to eat, a bed for the night. That's only half the issue. Um, a lot of the homelessness that we see around here is um, the clients, as we call them, um, have um, either or <coughs> both um, alcohol abuse and substance abuse issues. So we put them on a program of rehabilitation which can last up to six months okay. including helping to find them jobs and getting them back into society um, and um, are you happy to climb across that style yeah, be fine. yeah. yeah. I'll yeah, go first <laughs> um, and, and, and that, that is um, I don't know, that's hugely different to what I do on a daily basis um, and gives me massive satisfaction. Okay, just jumping over <laughs> styles to get into the next field. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest things, um, and you'll soon work out whether the individual is receptive to it or not. Lots of people walk past and give someone a ten-pound note, and that's very generous. Um, lots of people walk past and say, um, put their hand on someone's shoulder and say, "Hi, how are you?" Very few people actually don't know. They, don't, they either don't know how to or they're afraid of doing it. And I completely appreciate that. 
and people need to be careful. But one of the best things you can do is actually talk to them. Talk to them and uh, make them aware that, you know, there is hope and there is a better life. Yeah. Hello, sir. Hello. How we are, are you? For a walk. Um, so we're just walking back up the road to where we parked the car, and we've got uh, the race course in view. Am I correct? That is uh, that is Goodwood Racecourse. Yep. And Greg's just bumped into a client of his driving along the road. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Greg. We'll thank you. Uh, it's been really interesting hearing your story. So thank you again. Lovely. Thank you very much for your time.